Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Interesting episode this week. We have... So we originally were going to record two episodes, um, but there's a lot that's going to happen in the ne- in the next few episodes. So uh, yeah, the next two really feed into one another. I mean, the whole first yeah. half of the season, I feel like as we're rewatching, we're realizing goes pretty fast and like yeah. off off of the previous episode. But in particular, it's a a cliffhanger one. Absolutely. And I think this episode really like um, flips the switch on some characters that you might feel are a little one dimensional um, and makes them a lot more interesting <laughs> and awful or better. I don't know. Just more complicated, I think. And it has a theme of like really awful older white men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the episode's theme. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Yes, it does. It's weird though, but it's like here's three different ways that like you slightly could be awful. older to very older, <laughs> yeah, white dudes could just be super monstrous. Like different ways they can mess with people. I would say even maybe even four people, four white dudes that are awful. I believe it. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I could like three jump right out of my uh, jump right out at me. Oh, we although there's definitely four evil four evil white dudes in this episode. Yeah, um, just like three three are like showcased in such a way. Yes, but one yeah. is ever present, which yes. I think everyone who's listened before knows. Yes, hashtag hate hate ward. Yep, uh, absolutely. No, it's, yeah, that's so ubiquitous to to me at this point. Like, I don't even count it. It's just like that's just part of the show. There's I know that evil man. It doesn't even stand out anymore. It's just it's just always there. Ugh. Well, before we get started, um, we are, are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. So be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, butwhythoughpodcast.com. Um, we're super proud to be a part of their um, growing community. Just added another podcast to their lineup. So exciting stuff. This is season two, episode eight, The Things We Bury, which a lot of things get buried and unburied in this episode. Um, yeah, this this one, we've talked about the episode titles a lot. I like this one because it works on a metaphor and a totally literal level, yeah. which is, just feels like super nerdy. Like like someone was very proud of this one. Absolutely. Like, get it. Get it. <laughs> I know. This was written by DJ Doyle and directed by Milan Shalov. Um, originally aired November 18th, 2014. So this episode begins in Austria in 1945. So we're doing a little flashback. And um, Whitehall is interrogating this Asian man about the obelisk. Um, And they make him touch it and he dies, as we've seen others die before. Um, And they bring in this Chinese woman who they make touch the obelisk and she is unharmed. Um, and then one of Whitehall's, uh, I don't know, men walks in. He's like, the red skull has fallen, you know, and they're like, well, we need to experiment on this woman. So we're going to have to hide her and move her. And he says this line that, uh, something requires experimentation or something like that. I don't know. It's super creepy. And he says it in a really bad German accent. Is it discovery, discovery requires yeah. experimentation? Yes. No, and he, he does. He says it so many times Yeah, with his accent. <laughs> oh, that guy. I can't believe I didn't write it down. But yeah. So he says that quite a few times. And then we go to Whitehall in the modern day. And he brings in Sky's dad to talk about the obelisk and Sky's dad is like, well, you tell me what you know, and I'll fill you in on what you're missing. And Whitehall goes like, you know, we know it's a weapon. And he's like, whoa, 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 stop right there. It's not a weapon. It's a key. And it unlocks for those who are worthy, which is interesting. So and, and Whitehall responds in such a way where it's almost like he's heard that before, where he's like, I don't buy, you know, he says something like either superstition or intimates that like it's like religious or hokum. Yeah, that sort myth of. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you might call it a myth. But yeah, he, he very much doesn't buy into that initially. But I think the familiarity that 
uh, Sky's dad has with it so far and just the confidence with which he says all this stuff makes Whitehall second guess that initial like kind of doubtful response. He's like, huh, wait. Yeah, because I think he mentions like only a certain special few can touch it. You've discovered that, right? And he's like, yeah, only a certain special few are chosen or something. And so it's like it intrigues him. Yeah, he reframes it in a way that <laughs> drives with what he's what he knows to be yeah. true or whatever. So we go to the bus and um, Coulson is on a mission with a couple of people from the team. Uh, and he's talking to May, who is back at the playground. And Bobby is there also interrogating Bakshi. Um, and Coulson's talking to Sky and he's like, look, Fury was a good director because he could always see five steps ahead of everyone else. Like he always knew his enemy. So we need to do that. And uh, so we go to Bobby interrogating. Getting Bakshi and she's she's very good and Hunter is watching and he says it's nice to see someone else suffer for a change and this is he's saying this as Mac is like trying to have a serious conversation with him about Coulson he's like look something's wrong like something's not right and Hunter is just you know always focused on Bobby and his his grudge his bitterness of whatever happened and Bobby comes out and she realizes that something about what Bakshi said is off um, and they decide to look. So I guess this base that they're at is an old SSR base. And so there's files, um, SSR files at the base. So they decide to look through the files. Yeah, they refer to it as the rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I don't believe rat. that is in the comics. Oh, interesting. Well, I, I, I didn't look it up. I, I don't think it is. But it cracks me up because I think like, like we've, we've talked about it before. They have it on the show and in the MCU and in the comics, the raft is like a modern day shield uh, prison because they didn't say it was an SSR prison but like then in the captions it says like facility or something so I'm like I don't know man come on guys I know it seemed like it was supposed to be a base but the way they called it a prison at one point it cracked me up so bad because I was just like that's just like they just took one letter out of the raft yeah. by mistake or something and they're like well whatever it's new roll with it oh, yeah. <laughs> well maybe like the modern day raft they're like the rat sounds too too uh too much <laughs> let's change well, it, it it does sound weird like at least the raft is a floating prison like, like yeah, why yeah, yeah. why is it the rat it's just under, underground or something like I don't who, know who knows <laughs> who knows comics are weird or whatever comics inspired shows are weird too based on my limited knowledge of, of rats it's like that like what that means they like pizza if they live in new york or, or uh or maybe they raised uh, orphan turtles like I, I, I'm, oh, not, I'm not super my god red expert um so bobby has decided that she has bakshi figured out she goes through this whole long spiel about his like psychology and all this stuff and uh, but she doesn't quite get Whitehall yet. She's still trying to figure figure out what's going on there. And I know this is like edited differently in the show, but I'm just going to go through all of it so we're not like going back and forth with just like one line of things that happened in each scene. <laughs> so as they're looking through the files, Simmons finds the original SSR report for the 084, the obelisk, and it's signed by Peggy Carter and she is like fangirling. She's like, Peggy Carter, touch this. And she's also British and she just like is, keeps going and May's like, okay, whatever. Is there anything in there? And Hunter actually finds the file for um, uh, Werner Reinhardt, who we find out. I forget how we f- how they found out about him. Actually, something about he was. <laughs> he was. He, there were files on him because he was uh, held there. Right. But I feel like there was something else. He was connect. Oh, it was connected to the 084 report because they brought them in at the same time, right? Yeah, something like that. So. Um, so anyway, Hunter finds the file for Werner Reinhardt and he opens it and there's a photo of him and Simmons like, that's Whitehall. I've seen him up close. And they were like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember it's like, it, it's a great example, I think, of just how Mac delivers everything because he's basically, I don't know, not mansplaining, but he's basically just like, no, you mean he just looks like him. <laughs> well, like, like, but he still sounds so gentle and nurturing. Like it doesn't sound dismissive, but basically he's just like, no, that's not possible. You're crazy. Yeah. And she's like, and she's like, guys, come on, like obelisks and Asgardians and stuff. And like, and I think that's even what Hunter says. Like, like, what is he an Asgardian? Yeah. Like, because he looked once she says like a couple times, like, no, 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 not looks like not is, is related him. to yeah. the same exact dude. <laughs> like it's, yeah. So, uh, but I like that little shout out to the movies and whatnot. The Absolutely, it was good. And then they find his file for when he was kept in the rat, and he was kept in there for life. And he's like old looking in this photo, and so they're like, "What the fuck? Like he de aged? What is?" 
what what is this so they're like trying to solve this mystery so we go to this car where christian ward is talking to his wife and he's telling her how oh you know i'm gonna be gone blah blah blah. i'm really sorry and then he hangs up and he calls his mistress and he's like hey my weekend's free want to come over which is so gross oh yeah and he's just like <laughs> talking about getting her like see-through negligees and stuff and he's yeah like, he's Ugh. super skeevy Yes, so skeevy. And then um, little bro shows up and ruins the fun. He bashes the window in and drags him out of the car. And I guess he's not going to have that nice romantic weekend with his mistress anymore. So on the bus, uh, it, they land in Hawaii. And Coulson, Trip, and, and uh, Sky and Fitz are all there. And Coulson gives Trip and Sky and Fitz weird things to do. So he gives Trip this button. He's like, go give this to this guy at this dry cleaners. And he gives Sky a watch. And he's like, tell them to engrave this with, you know, something, something. And um, get a blue tie or something and then he's like Fitz you have to practice fixing this transceiver and it has to be with under six minutes you know muscle memory uh, I know you have problems but you can do it I believe in you and everyone's like okay but Tripp's like you know Col- I-, I trust Colson. he's a-, a man with a plan we'll do this like so we'll figure out what this is for in a minute I'm sure um so we go back to the SSR prison, the rat, <laughs> in 1945, and which I was confused because I was thinking that all of this was happening in Austria, and then I realized that their base is the rat. Right. I would. I don't know. I was confused. No, it's like they well, like they detained them uh, after the war and took them. Back yeah, yeah. Because it looked very like a similar. I don't know. I was. I had I think I was like really tired when I watched this because I clearly didn't take good notes and I was just like confused, realizing well, that I was confused. Isn't it weird that like I don't know, man. <laughs> the way all this all works out, isn't it weird that like uh, you know, after the winter soldier that Arnim Zola is like made you know, scientist for the US, but like this guy is thrown a, thrown into a little cage. Yeah, I don't know. Like wouldn't they wouldn't they use him as a scientist? Wouldn't they give him a deal? I don't know. I guess it just just had to be. It's a. It's just you know. It just had to work out the way it is for the story. I don't know. I think that they mention when they're going through the files, like um, Mac is like, yeah, there's a reason these were hidden because this is they're really gory and gross. Like this guy was a monster, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I guess even some people had limits or whatever, but it seemed or like they weren't able to protect that from enough people's eyes. Whereas, like, maybe the, the people embedded already in the U.S. were, like, able to hide some of the things that, like, Zola had done or whatnot so that they could, you know, keep Hydra or expand Hydra's reach. Yeah, I maybe. Don't know. I, I don't know. Like, it's interesting to think about just because I, I, briefly I was like, but he was, like, a brilliant scientist, even though he was messed up. But if they just saw ev- evidence of some of the crap that, you know they didn't see for other people that would make sense well also i feel like peggy was kind of in charge of his case it seems like so maybe no one could go around her to override that she had the final say yeah so she comes in and she talks to reinhardt slash whitehall and he's trying to negotiating because he has all these artifacts and he's like oh aren't you curious about what i found and she's like uh, and he's like, oh, you know, there's tales um, that come from the east about these blue angels that came to conquer earth and we come back to Hydra in the present day because obviously um, uh, Whitehall is telling this story to Sky's dad. And Sky's dad is like, hmm, I always heard the the wording was more like to end mankind rather than to conquer Earth, except for a chosen few who would inherit the Earth, the ones that can touch the obelisk. Um, and Whitehall's like, OK, why are you telling me all this? Like, what is your motive? And the doctor is saying he just wants to be reunited. He had all the people in his life taken from him, all his loved ones, and he just wants to be reunited with them in the afterlife and to kill everyone who took them from him, <laughs> which, whoa, OK. <laughs> so we go to uh, back to our favorite Ward family. Christian is just as manipulative as ward it's a, uh, grant i don't know how to differentiate them i don't think of him as grant i think of him as ward <laughs> um, <laughs> um so he has him like tied up and he's dragging him through the woods and christian's like you're free because of me like those four men that i put on to guard you like of course you escaped like it's it just echoes of ward's conversation with fitz about how i am the reason you're alive type of thing like i saved you and like ward uh, the other other ward shuts it down very quickly because he says like 
you know, like you said he says you're free because of me, and he's like, he's like you're free of shield because of me. He's like, yeah, he's like you're gonna have me stand trial and, and be executed for my crimes. <laughs> and yeah. He's like, like you, you didn't plan my my escape. Like that was not your goal. Like, yeah. Like, and he he sees right through it, but no, they're just they're they're two sides of the same jerk coin. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he wants uh Christian to dig up the well from their childhood. Um, he's like, our parents buried it after that incident and we're going to dig it back up. And so he hands him a shovel, which, all right, dude, what are you doing? On the bus, Fitz is practicing putting together the transceiver and he doesn't quite have it. It's at like, what, 11 minutes or something like that. And he's getting frustrated and he convinced he's convinced that it's just a test. And Tripp is like, I just gave a button to a 300 pound Hawaiian dude. Like Colson has a plan. Like, don't worry about it. Like, this is all weird. And then uh, Coulson walks in and Trip goes, oh, Captain, my captain, which I thought was, I don't know, it was cute. <laughs> so we go back to the rat in 1945. And um, this is when Peggy walks in and she's like, she decides to bury Reinhardt and everything that he's done. And so that's why all the files are hidden. And he stays in prison until 1989. And we see this like time lapse thing where he's wandering around his cell, reading books and doing whatever. Um, and apparently Alexander Pierce has decided to let him out. He took pity on him for whatever, let him out for medical reasons. He's old. Um, so the guards that are letting him out put him in a wheelchair and whisper Hail Hydra to him. So clearly this is a Hydra letting out, not a benevolent, you're old, we're letting you out. <laughs> right. And, and we get that, I think, just from the name Pierce. Yeah, but then exactly. I think just in case you're not like a nerd like you or I who knows what that means from Winter Soldier or whatever, like just in case we don't know that, they have they get the one guy go, Hill Hydra, and then yeah. zoom in on awful makeup job. And he goes, Oh yeah. Uh Hill Hydra. And because his, <laughs> his 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 age makeup we talked about right before we recorded, he is like I think it's contrasted by just having seen the some of the best age makeup I've ever seen. Uh, uh, in a True Detective, when they yeah. get like the different ages in the third season, and something that comes later, if it's another a- aging effect in this episode, but he just looks rough. He looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like, like like he looks a little older. He doesn't look like he's like whatever supposed he would be like at that point, like sixty, late sixties, early seventies, maybe in the eighties, yeah. or, or no, it was no, it was just a. Pretty recently, right? Was it? Wasn't it? Was no, it? it was in the eight late. It wasn't. It was late. Yeah, 80s. yeah. So I don't know. It feels like whatever he uh, he'd be he'd be a little older than that. But it, but it looks to me like Schwarzenegger, like right <laughs> before he like started running for a governor in California, where he was just like like super orange tan yeah like, like like he like his sun damaged tan yeah <laughs> like, like he didn't it's and the other old old age makeup on him like when they do show him a little later slight spoiler is i don't know i think it's a little better but not a lot no. <laughs> like, but either way it's not great but yeah no. it, they, they really beat it over our heads and let everyone else know he's hydra uh, and, yep. and rem- remember like like so it's the hydra <laughs> thing it's getting him out not yeah not, no. not like you said some benevolent like oh come on he's yeah. just an old man which like yeah. still too like that's what life in prison is we don't yeah. just let him out when they get old it's like well he murdered his family but he's an old man oh he's a nazi war criminal but he's an old man like i don't give a shit like <laughs> like let him let him rot like, i think one thing. of the one of the guards mentions like budget cuts or something too, which is like, oh my god, so ridiculous. That does seem um, sort of believable though. Yeah. Like that's a really gross thing. Like I could see that happening like right now. Like while Trump I is know. like is like gutting weird crap, it's like, oh, we can let the really old war criminals go. <laughs> you know? That's fine. <laughs> budget cuts. Um, so the guard mentions to Reinhardt that they found the woman. And they bring in all these elders from this village in China, and this woman is with them. It's the same woman from the beginning of the episode, and she hasn't aged a day. And Reinhardt's like, what is this? Like, I've wasted my entire life in prison, and I'm old now, and she hasn't aged a day. And so they experiment on her, and they're basically like just – while she's awake, like performing surgery on her and like taking out her organs and all this crazy shit. And Whitehall finds out her secret, Whitehall, Reinhardt, whatever, finds out her secret 
um, and uses it to regenerate. So we see him become young again, and they just throw the woman out with the trash. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I took everything from her. Ugh, he's so gross. Um, so back at the playground, Hunter realizes that um, the Reinhardt information could be useful for Bobby's interrogation. So he gives it to her and Bobby uses it. Um, when she's interrogating Bakshi and she pushes him too far and he's like, look, I'm loyal. And he smacks his face on the table and it activates a cyanide capsule in his cheekbone. And so um, they don't let him die. So that's good, I guess. They still have more information. They want to get out of him. But Hunter is like suspicious of her. He's like, why'd you push him so hard? And the, I think the reason why Hunter's suspicious of her is because Bakshi tried to like, Bakshi oh, yeah, knew yeah. that they'd be surveilled, you know, that they'd be recorded. Yeah. And so he is like trying to like plant seeds of doubt where he's like, yeah. do they know how far you went in, you know, for your Hydra cover? I'm like, yeah, I'm, be- I'm betting. I'm, yeah, thinking, I'm, I'm betting Coulson knows exactly what. But like you said, because Hunter is so in his head about her, like he's, yeah. he's clearly just not over her at all. And instead of like accepting that, he's just built up the, everything around her is like surrounded in mystery and suspicion. Potent- well, yeah, and, suspicion. I was going to yeah. say potential betrayal. Like, yeah. uh, but like, and now he's expanding it past their relationship to Shield, which is just like yeah. freaking baseless. It's like, well, I should <laughs> definitely believe, you know, the Fox, uh, yeah, 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 the uh, the Desi guy who is uh, for some reason part of a Nazi organization. <laughs> like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, he should not believe her. But they have done a good job of showing that he's like fairly irrational <laughs> when it comes to her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we go back to the wards and Christian is digging up the well and he's like, you can't reconcile all the horrible things you do with the hero you so desperately want to be, which kind of nails Ward right on the head, I think. Like, I feel like he is, I mean, obviously, like everyone is the hero of their own story, even if you're a villain. And that is, I don't know, like, I feel like that's really true about him. Like, he thinks he's done all these, like, caring things for people in his life like he thinks that he's like still a part of colson's team right and like well yeah and like you said like you've mentioned a couple times like the stuff with him and fitz it's like the way he he talked to him he believes that on some level he knows he messed with them but he also is like but i do my best you know it's like i've been put in these bad situations but i but i've in his head it seems like he's like but i've done my best to be a hero you know even though i've been in these situations and to do the right thing and this and that and it's like no, dude. No, you yeah. haven't. And it, it, th- yeah, this uh, really resonated uh, with me because I just have been rewatching um, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Terminator TV show that ran for two seasons, which is just really excellent. But there's like a, uh, an episode early on where the Terminator who's designed to protect uh, young John Connor in this, who's played by Summer Glau, she was also was in a couple of uh, Joss Whedon things. But uh, she stops him and his mom, basically, you know, Sarah Connor, who's played by Lena Headey, and she's amazing in it. Like yeah. one, one of the best versions of her for sure. And she's, uh, you know, is like, well, she did the right thing stopping you. And he's like, like, you know, but I was trying to help because uh, he was trying to stop this girl from jumping off their school's building because she'd been like slut shamed and was worried that her parents were gonna you know kill her so she ended up jumping off the the roof of their school and and he he was trying to climb up this ladder trying to talk her down and she'd stop them and when the mom reaffirms this he's just like why are you raising me to be the savior of mankind if i can't use it like why yeah. like why am i why am i being trained to be the hero for everyone if i can if i have to bottle it up and I have to just keep my head down and be in hiding now. He's like, this is just like, like this existence is insane. And it's like, Ward acts like, like he has this continued problem. And he did, he has a screwed up childhood too. But it's like, he's not actually trying to help anybody. Like he's just trying to survive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but he like, he's painted it in, in this like heroic way. And I feel like that's, that angle is Garrett. You know, their, yeah. their, their parents made him ultimate survival mode is like all he is like really and then garrett made him like painted him into like this weird like gi joe dude like real american hero whatever <laughs> like yeah yeah oh man he is so messed up and it isn't like really his fault but he has to like actually own up to it which also plays into like this conversation i guess because doesn't he yeah. sort of say like 
I own my mistakes or whatever. Like I take responsibility. Yeah. We're like, I don't think you do. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I think he does at this point, at least more than Christian. Yeah, absolutely. But who's this? <laughs> like, like, that's a pretty, that's pretty sh- shitty scale. <laughs> like, if that's what you're judging it against. So uh, they uncover the well and Ward is like wanting Christian to admit that, you know, he's the reason that uh, Thomas was thrown into the well. And Christian's like, no, no, like you, you were right there with me. Like you wanted it. And then Ward's like threatening to throw him down there. And then he finally breaks down and he's like, he admits fault. He's like, look, I know it was my fault. Like, I wanted him dead because he was the only one that like mom and dad didn't torture and it wasn't fair. And I wanted them to feel like how we felt and have that taken away from them. And it's just really fucked up. So fucked it up. It is because like you have in the notes that it's really it's oddly emotional. And it is because it's like he's bearing his soul. He's sad. He's admitting his guilt and like bearing witness to his brother, owning to like having been a part of messing up his brother. But at the same time, he's both delusional and manipulative because he's also like i did this you know for us because we were both tortured by our mom and our dad let it happen and they both loved him so well and he's like and also you know you were courageous because you know i didn't have the courage to do it myself so i had you do it it's like he's like praising him telling him it was for the both their benefit vilifying their parents even though their parents are villains but like just like it's just bonkers he's he's, and like you said earlier on like they're similar but and they are but it's just like he's just like him like like that whole confession thing it's weirdly true but like in such a delusional way (laughs) that's so self-serving well i mean like i don't want to say the best abuse because that's a terrible way to phrase it but like the most effective forms of abuse like definitely use truth and like this is like right on with that and it's weird too because like he apologizes to Ward. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Which it feels genuine. Like he's sorry for everything that's happened. And they hug. And then Ward is like oddly emotional. Like he has this look on his face like, oh man. You know, like I don't know. It's it's a really nice moment. And they like hug and they like walk off together into the woods. And they're like, okay, like we're fine now. That's all I wanted from you is for you to admit guilt. And it's just too nice of a moment. You know something's up. It doesn't make sense with what we know about both their characters. Exactly. Like, both, like, like I feel like both of them are holding like metaphorical knives behind their backs as they have their arms around each other, like with their other arm. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're like just ready to stab each other in the back. And you get that vibe without it being super overt, you know? Mm-hmm. I think what really struck me about the scene was that like they both want to let this go. I think like you can tell like there is genuine like even though Christian's like manipulating the hell out of him and Ward's kind of either allowing it to happen or I don't know if he's he's I mean, obviously, by the end of the episode, we know that he doesn't buy it, but they're both like there's genuine emotion there. Like they both like feel regret and like sorrow and maybe they're mourning what they have, you know, what they missed as children because of all the shit that happened to them. And I don't know, it's like this weird when they hug, I felt so weird watching them. I was just like, this is gross, but also like kind of sweet. I don't know. I was, I was having a a hard time watching this. I was so conflicted. I, I definitely feel like we were supposed to feel that way. For sure. And um, Brett Dalton plays this so well. Like, just the look, the face acting in this for him is is so good. Him and Tim Decay do a really, really good job uh, yeah. in this whole episode. Absolutely. So back on the bus, Coulson did have a plan, <laughs> after all. Um, so to find the city, they need access, because I, I think we've kind of forgotten, <laughs> but their their whole goal is to find the city before Hydra does. Um, so they need, to ac- they need to access satellites that are being used at this base in Hawaii, but it's too well guarded. So the backup um, satellites are in like the Australian outback, and so that's where they go. And um, the button that Trip gave to the dry cleaners 
uh, is going to go to this general who comes to inspect the base like once a year or something like that. And the base commander um, got the watch. And they're, when they when they meet up, it'll set off an EMP that will shut down the system. And so they'll have six minutes to hack into the Australian network to get access to the satellite. So that's six minutes, you know, Fitz needs to fix the, the transceiver in six minutes. So this is all making sense now. Uh, so they get to the base in Australia and Hydra beat them there. And so there's a firefight. Um, comms go down. Sky is on the bus um, with a team ready to intercept the data that comes through from the satellites. Um, and um, everyone else is, you know, trying to cover Fitz as he's um, fixing the transceiver. And Trip gets shot. And guess who shows up? The doctor, this guy's dad. <laughs> and he's like, I can help him. I'm a doctor. Um, and they haven't met him yet. Like, they don't know what he looks like. Like, they saw that photo. And so they don't realize that this is Sky's dad. But he clearly knows this is Coulson and, and his team. And so he's like, you know, talking away, you know, being crazy. And he calls Coulson Phil. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I shouldn't have used your name. Like, that was a mistake. And he's like, but um, this man's life is in my hand. So if you try to kill me, I'm going to let him die. I just sliced his brachial artery and he's I'm going to let him bleed out. <laughs> and so he makes a deal with them. He's like, look, I just wanted to, you know, get to know you a little better. And I want a, um, a chance at a new first impression <laughs> type of thing with Sky. Um, and he's like, um, I'll, you know, let you save Agent Triplet if you let me go. And him and Colson are just having this weird convo about like about Sky and about like just, I don't know, it's like dad versus dad is the only thing I could think of when I was watching this. And it was just Sky's dad is so crazy and Colson is so protective of her and it's just them battling it out with words while like Trip is dying in in their arms and it's it was weird. It's a weird moment. <laughs> um so Sky's dad helps save Trip. Um they pump him full of uh clotting whatever that's probably not correct medically but whatever um, no, he says it's a clotting agent i think that's right yeah but if you put i don't know there's there's science no it's it's all but it, it's it's sci-fi bs <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. it's 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 tv science yeah so uh he escapes and trip is gonna be fine they get the satellites up and up and running and um they're on their way and back on the bus like Colson and and he's talking to Sky and they're just you know being weird um and Fitz is there and they're just like kind of staring at her and she's like did you guys like see a ghost like why are you guys being weird like because <laughs> they don't want to tell her that they saw her dad and he was crazy and tried to tried to murder you know one of her best friends yeah um and then their conversation is cut short because a match was found uh, for the city um, so back at the playground, um, Hunter is being suspicious of Bobby as usual, and he thinks she's up to something. And she's like, dude, will you ever trust me? And Hunter says this line, I'll never stop wanting to, which would have been really sweet if they would have just left it at that. But of course, the next scene is they're making out and they're going to have sex in the car, which I mean, that's fine, too, because they're a mess. They are a hot mess. <laughs> no, it, It's like, I don't know. It's hard because they're both they are both adults and they have this history. So it, like, I feel like it'd be it'd be skeevier if they didn't really know each other as well as they do. It is still kind of sweet to me, yeah. but it's less sweet because of it. For yeah. sure. I like. I was totally like, oh, that's really sweet. And then the whole next scene is like them taking their clothes off. And I was like, oh. Save that for the next episode, you know? <laughs> I know. What, 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 like build build it. And then it's then it's extra sweeter. Like, it's a, I don't know. It's not a bad thing. No, it's not. It's just we already know they were married. It's like this isn't, this yeah. isn't something we needed. It's not – we're not asking for like chasteness. We're just asking for something that's purely sweet maybe. Yeah. But the, we haven't had like whatever uh, any – a shirtless ward or uh or you know <laughs> sky working out uh like so i don't know i guess they had to have something to, <laughs> to, to be titillating something yeah. sexy but yeah uh so back at hydra we find out that christian ward was found dead with his parents at their home um and there was a recorded confession left with him and it was basically the conversation that he was having with his brother about you know, I wanted him to die, blah, blah, blah. And so, well, <laughs> now we know. 
And Whitehall decides that he wants to have uh, Ward team up with him and the doctor. And he's like, yeah, Ward, you know, spent time with Coulson's team. And Sky's dad's like, oh, that's, you know, that's great. And he's like, it's always good to look your enemy right in the eye. And we get this camera angle that is from Whitehall's perspective. And Sky's dad looks right at him. And it's like, what? This is a new development, which was kind of hinted at at the beginning of the episode when he's being crazy, talking about why he's there helping. So we flash back to 25 years ago. And the young doctor, who was de-aged, as you said, <laughs> through CGI, uh, he come, he's like wandering through the woods and he comes across the body of the woman that Reinhardt experimented on. She's just dumped outside like a piece of garbage. And he calls her my love, which... The, the, the inference what? is this lady... Who yeah. is, you know, yeah, Chinese, a, a Chinese woman, a Chinese woman <laughs> uh, who has a connection with the obelisk, which we already keep hearing that uh, you know, Sky's somehow connected to everything. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll go to spoiler section now because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, every, in case- everything that we are doing is sort of yeah. <laughs> tangentially connected, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Sky's, we already. I put on here to fuck all the wards, which I think we've talked about enough at length, but <laughs> um, Sky's dad just got way more interesting because he had this underlying motive throughout this entire portion of the season that we didn't really realize was a thing until this episode. Like, we didn't realize that he was out for revenge, which, I mean, we kind of should have realized that, but because that's just kind of who he is <laughs> as a character. But, um, yeah, didn't realize that um, Sky's mom was connected to Whitehall until this episode, which is crazy. So the next few episodes are going to be super interesting. And Sky's mom uh, ties in to our only real uh, comic connection for the episode. Uh, who, I mean, when I say real, it's, it's <laughs> difficult. Sky's, Sky is a character. Since we're in the spoiler section, you know, we know she's Daisy Johnson and Quake in the comics. Uh, and mm-hmm. she has a mom. She exists, but uh, she's never like exactly. I think she's maybe made one real appearance, but it wasn't until 2015, even though uh, she was referred to obliquely in, in Daisy's first appearances in, in the Secret War miniseries by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Gabriel Delato. And like, but, I mean, as I've referred to before, back when she was uh, uh, meant to be Angelina Jolie from Hackers. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> th- that was in the uh, cover date of July of 2004. And uh, for in Secret War number two, and it was either in that issue or in the one after it, in this backup material, but they like refer to her origins, and you find out about Daisy's mom. Uh, I don't think she has a name at that point, but I think she's referred to as you know uh, some a, a prostitute that had, uh, had a child with uh, <laughs> Mister Hyde or Calvin Zabo, her her dad in both the show and the comics. Yeah, and she's named uh, Jennifer Kim Johnson, which is where she gets the Johnson name in the comics. And Kim, I guess, to infer that she is Chinese, so that now Sky can and and Daisy can retain the uh, (laughs) kind of development of becoming Chloe Bennett instead of Angelina Jolie, (laughs) since they were never going to get yeah. yeah, then we're going to de-age Angela Jolie or get her uh, to be on this show. But yeah, so she appeared, in, I think maybe once in S.H.I.E.L.D. Volume 3, number 7 in August of 2015, uh, destroyed by Mark Wade and Greg Smallwood. And so in this, you know, she's just a, a sex worker who is taken advantage of by Calvin Zabo. And uh, she is not actually, she doesn't have any powers and she's just... Uh, a presumably Chinese American woman who is uh, of inhuman heritage. She doesn't have any abilities herself, but has the yeah. potential for her her children to have these abilities. Here's the weird twist: we know that uh, she, her name is uh, Jia Ying in the show, and she's played by Dykin Lockman. Well, I'll go into a little bit in a second, but uh, in the comic, there was one Quake special issue. I think also in 2015. Uh, yeah, uh, in November 2015, <laughs> the Quake Shield 50th Anniversary Special Number 1, in a story by Matthew Rosenberg, Patrick Kindlin, and Daniel Warren Johnson, they introduce an inhuman 
who has gills instead of a nose is green <laughs> and like has like green dreads apparently and is holding a baby and it's like when there's this like inhuman like uh facility or inhuman group that are being detained by aim and uh shield is taking down the aim advanced idea mechanics these bad guys who do all sorts of stuff in the comics the catch-all i think they're sort of referenced in an age of ultron they're like science terrorists i guess they're all mad scientists and they're like terrorists <laughs> for sale and I, they just they just want to develop weapons basically <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> uh and there's, there's yeah. in the pursuit of science and making money uh but uh yeah. so they're freeing these inhumans who've been detained and there's one kind of particularly alien looking human named Ying is saved by quake in this like avengers uh rescue and there's an implication that she knew her as a child because she recognized Daisy or, and it, like, it doesn't make any sense. I talked about this with you before we recorded. It's like, <laughs> this makes no sense. Like she's, she wasn't raised by anyone in an inhuman community. Like, like, like the story is not the same as it's going to be in the show. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, it's really weird, but it's like, it's a shout out to this character. So there's two of her, I guess is my weird thing in the comics. Sort of, there's sort of two of her. <laughs> I like I like the improvements made upon this character uh, vastly different <laughs> from the comics. Well, it's weird. It's like, you know, when they started Samuel Jackson becoming, you know, the new model for Nick Fury was sort of aspirational. They didn't think that was going to happen. There were no big mm-hmm. Marvel movies like the with the last one that was a non-X-Men movie or I guess Spider-Man was still doing well. But, you know, Iron Man wasn't a hit or whatever at this point. There was no. There's no big Marvel thing. Marvel was dominating everything. They no one thought we were going to get Samuel L. Jackson and play Nick Fury. So I guess Angelina Jolie as a, as a model for a character was similar sort of thing. But it's like it definitely is vastly improved because she's yeah. not just another in a sea of white uh, superheroes, you know. And now it's it, it's cool mm-hmm. for sure. It's and and like I think Chloe does the voice for her on the cartoon on the Mar- the Marvel Rising Secret yeah. Warriors show so like i think that's rad like it's it's just kind of neat well i think i've talked about this in a early episode in the spoiler section but it's really nice to actually have a biracial character's parentage acknowledged like not just have it hanging out there and oh yeah she's you know half whatever but like to see like this is her mom. This is her dad. She comes from two different worlds. And we'll find out in, I think, the, the second half of the season that that's like even more the case, like mixed race. And that is a great like metaphor for being mixed race is you come from two different cultures, essentially. And there's a lot of conflict trying to exist in both of those and feeling enough of one or the other or of both. And it's very confusing. It's a very confusing identity. And I know a lot of people that have mixed race heritage um, uh, deal with that like all the time, especially like in in family dynamics, especially if you come from a family of, of immigrants, because you're even more connected to your culture, cultural home, homeland heritage than someone maybe that's grown up in the States in their like second or third generation. So I just love the way that this is introduced. I mean, it's, it's terrible because she was essentially, her, her mom was essentially tortured, but she, she's like a Chinese woman that had lived in China for how long. And then she's also a part of this whole like inhuman, culture that's like completely different from you know the shield culture or whatever you want to call it like the normal human culture i don't know <laughs> so i just found the way that they present sky's the heritage story for sky is super interesting on many levels and um i had kind of forgotten that this is how her mom was introduced and so this was like a nice like this episode's weird i'll admit but like <laughs> I this was like a nice refresher, I think, and I was just like, oh yeah, that I mean, it that's that's why her dad is so crazy. And when you mentioned the torture, but and like the way it's framed this episode, it's a fake out. Like they act like like she's fridged, you know, because yeah, you know, as we discover, uh, you know, since we are in the spoiler section, this character, you know, yeah. she basically has like Wolverine style healing factor, so. Yeah. The I don't think they ever come right and say it, but the implication to me is like, you know, she's ageless when Whitehall finds her or then 
not Whitehall, future Whitehall, almost yeah. Whitehall. Uh, when he, he finds <laughs> her, he I feel like he like harvests her immortal stem cells pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like uses them. And so then and left her, you know, vivisected body, you know, to rot, like you said, because he's a sick monster. And we know that eventually who become who becomes uh Calvin Zabo, he stitches her back together and her healing ability kicks in and she the same thing that kept kept her young heals her and she's alive again and then she becomes this part of this inhuman this inhuman culture and becomes like yeah. their leader and uh I, I don't know it's uh it's it's i feel like it's not quite as messed up as fridginger clearly because we wouldn't get any of the development we get with her afterward but i feel like it's almost just as messed up to like torture her and fake out so that right? we as a viewer thinks she's dead and the character thinks she's dead and like and goes through the pain so it's like so this woman of color is tortured so and all and literally killed or almost killed or whatever virtually killed for the pain of a white man just as much for as for her own like it's gross yeah yeah it is gross and it's i, I get why they did it but it's just gross it's gross that's in so many stories i think too yeah but oh yeah i want to mention this that dyke and lockman was someone who uh who plays uh jia ying who uh is a favorite of joss whedon shows and programs she was in uh dollhouse if it was yeah. one of his shows uh, along with uh inver uh Jokaj, who played uh daniel souza in an agent carter oh it's kind of cool that is cool <laughs> i didn't realize that yeah and also uh in dollhouse was tamo pinnicket who I have mentioned many times should play Ian Quinn's uh, brother on Shield. So that's my <laughs> my fan cast. Um, Tamo Pennicut and um, whatever his I think you mentioned that you wanted him to be named like Brian. Something <laughs> yeah, like that. Same Brian. spelling as Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Um, him and Lloyd Rathman could team up and be yes. a new um, evil billionaire duo uh, for the Shield universe in season seven. I really need Brian Quinn and, and Lloyd Rathman <laughs> to team up. This is this is this has to happen now. Uh, and then the only other one, again, uh, like I said, every connection this time was like a not quite a, not quite connection because it's like two characters that aren't quite. Dyke and Lockman's character on this sh- this show, <laughs> uh, but or sort of make her up in a weird way, I guess. In the comics, there's another character that's not quite a comics connection from uh, two episodes previous, from episode six of season two, which one? Uh, a fractured house. Uh, yeah. The dude with like the the knife whip rope thing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that guy is based on Marco Scarlatti, who uh, you guys remember the Iron Man villain. Whiplash, for, it was played by Mickey Rourke in the in the movie, and was like, <laughs> but we, okay, but he was named Ivan Vanko, and Ivan Vanko. Now there's two of him in the comics because they introduced that version of Whiplash, but it's also another Iron Man uh, villain named Crimson Dynamo, who's basically like, uh, you know, a Russian Iron Man in a big red <laughs> uh, Russian Iron Man suit, and for whatever reason. When uh, former Mr. Jennifer Aniston, uh, Justin Theroux, when he was, uh, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he was when he was writing Iron Man 2, he's like looking through Marvel stuff. And he's like, I like this name. I like that code name. I'm going to make up my own character. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like, <laughs> okay, cool. Wh- whatever. But uh, so this the original version of Whiplash, it wears an all black bodysuit. With like a uh, a strap, like like a little like purple like like purse, basically. He's got like a deep V neck, <laughs> right? With a big purple collar and matching pr- like pirate purple uh, boots and gloves, and a big flowing purple cape, and oh my God. and a purple cowl. So he has like a bare chest, right? But like a Batman style cowl. It's awesome. And there's this long green ponytail, like night like helmet style, like like attached to the, the mask. <laughs> yeah. And he has this, this was, I think referred to as like a cybernetic whip, <laughs> which I guess. Oh my God. It's like, it's like, what does that mean? It's like a long <laughs> coil. It's basically like, okay. <laughs> I don't want to get too graphic here, but it's basically like he holds like the handle of a very long corrugated metallic whip, but then like a giant, like either like dildo or like 
tentacle porn <laughs> thing, like like then whips around and moves <laughs> around like of its own volition. However, oh, I don't know somehow the way he wants it to because he's holding the handle right. It may, it's comic books, guys. Uh, <laughs> like the fact that they put like like the, that they use the repulsors. That's not, the repulsors are just a weapon in the Iron Man comics originally. They weren't used yeah. to you know to to make him be able to fly in an actual way that physics would work. Like that's just stuff they added into the to the movie. I'm glad they did it. Cool, but like <laughs> yeah. nobody cares about physics in comics, guys. Like I, I can't I can't emphasize and repeat enough how many of these guys wrote these things when all the adults went to war in <laughs> World War yeah, Two. Yeah. There's like interns, <laughs> teenage interns are like, you gotta write everything, guys. They're like okay, but uh, oh my god. So Marco Scarlatti is the basis of this character. Whiplash has like the knife on a rope. He has this cybernetic whip. He's an Iron Man villain. Looks like a pirate. His name Whiplash. His name is Marco Scarlatti. <laughs> he worked for the Marvel version of the Mafia, which is the Magia. Two Gs. I, I, maybe it's an Italian word. I should look that up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm guessing it's BS because of all the things <laughs> I mentioned before. But Marco Scarlatti is replaced with Marcus Scarlatti. I think the oh. reason I didn't catch it the first name, in addition to the slight difference, is I thought there was already a version of him in the MCU because of the Iron Man video games. Oh. Because there's another version that's more like him in the comics. Yeah. And uh, I think in the first Iron Man movie video game. So this guy, I guess, is doubles as another version of him. And instead of the whip, he has a knife on a on a chain. Yeah. Which <laughs> I guess just works. That's fine. Yeah. It's not the biggest difference. He's more like he's more like his comic version than, you know, Ultron in some ways. So whatever. Yeah. I can deal. Uh, it's yeah, it's super strange. Marco Scarlatti, this Iron Man vi- villain for the most part, uh, was created by Stan Lee and Gene Colan. He first appeared in Tales of Suspense number ninety-seven, the cover date of January nineteen sixty-eight, which means it was came, came out at the end of nineteen sixty-seven, and he died in Iron Man volume three number twenty-eight in May of 2000, freeing the code name up for a really weird <laughs> character that doesn't make any sense in the comics <laughs> and barely made any sense of the movies. No offense. It was not the best, best part. Uh, but yeah. And, not. and so he appeared on a fractured house in, I think that was at the first one where we got Christian Ward. It was definitely the first one we like focused on him at all. I think so. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so it, it's weird that I guess this is a good time to fix that since I missed him in that comics connection portion uh, does he come back do you know i don't believe he does <laughs> is he dead i can't remember if he's either, dead or he's not either dead he was the guy who faked being he was like part of fake shield for hydra basically yeah 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 uh, and i don't think so I, I don't believe we see him again we might but i don't know they just cast all these like menacing white men as these like bad guys and i can't tell them apart sometimes <laughs> well, oh for sure like i could definitely see that like a lot of them start to <laughs> run together one together but basically yep. they're identifiable by like their haircuts like yes. oh, like, like that's because they have no character development even the ones like last a while like i'm trying to think of that yeah. one douchebag who was in like the native hawaiian movie or whatever who comes around later on he's the bad guy in the framework episodes and oh yeah the, the about? russian guy yeah like, he, like they kept him around a while and yeah. like he's still is like super not memorable. No, I can't picture his face at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, I only remember him because of the controversy around him being a jerk, like in real yeah. life, just being a giant yeah. asshole. Like, and his brother, like, I think was the one who like wrote and produced that movie that where they cast him as the Hawaiian guy. It's just like, come on, man. Like, what? Yeah. What? Ugh, it's so, <laughs> oh, so gross. Super gross. But yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to mention is that um, the next season of S.H.I.E.L.D., so season six, was announced that it's coming in May. So it's coming sooner, I think, than we thought. I think we thought July. I thought that's what they had announced previously. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, they just tweeted out from the account. It'll um, still be after Endgame, maybe? Oh, that's weird. Because Endgame comes out, yeah. right? In April. April, right? Okay, that makes more. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it'll still be after. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I guess that's just what they wanted to make sure. But originally, wasn't Endgame going to come out in May? And then they moved it up. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think that's true. So like before, it's like maybe it was either June or July. But either way, it's like- they're moving it up, which is interesting. And sadly, Clark Gregg said something about how he thought season seven might be the last, which I mean, yeah, seven's pretty good. 
I get we can't be like too upset, but still hard to not like be a little sad by that. I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything to say <laughs> other than that's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to think about it yet <laughs> until I have to. <laughs> well, I was just going to reiterate so what you said before, but really, I was really appreciative that you remembered Rap and Watch since I was slacking on it, and you, <laughs> you integrated no Rap and Watch uh, when <laughs> when I was and Brian appro- Quinn yeah, I was approaching Brian <laughs> Quinn again. <laughs> That's, that's we got to get them them in season seven. We got to start the campaign now. Like uh, I'm, when this episode releases, <laughs> for I am going to forever associate Tomo Pennicut with um, Rob Hubel now because of our weird fan casting <laughs> for these these characters that don't exist yet. <laughs> well, I guess Lloyd Rathman technically exists, but we have built yeah. him up in our heads. But still, yeah, he's pretty. He's amazing. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just like how he was, how mundane his problems were. Like in the end, it's like my my kid doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah, like I need I need the next big villain of Shield to have that be his biggest problem. It's like how do I get my teenage son to like me to think I'm cool? <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Right. Like <laughs> instead of I want to destroy the world, I just want my children to to like me. Yeah, it's always either like white supremacy <laughs> or world conquering. Or like, like it's like, come on, guys. Like let's give me something a little lighter. Like I know. Like like no, no my well, especially like it makes sense in the MCU. It's like after Thanos and Loki and whatnot, it's like I would think like maybe my teenage kid would want me to be a villain. <laughs> be like, come on, man. right? Use your powers um, to be a cool villain like these guys. You know, it kind of reminds me of Talbot's whole thing with like wanting his son to look up to him as a hero at the oh end my of God. season no, five. Like, totally a little bit. There's a little bit there. It's like the PTSD and and the exact thing I'm hoping for are are the reasons why Talbot becomes grab their version of Graviton. That's kind of amazing. I didn't even I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's, no, he's just because of the misunderstanding and whatnot. Oh, oh my God. That so guy. He, he's the best part of this still. That's when we're, I, when we catch up or finish with every episode of shield, we'll have to do one special uh, where we just cover the pilot episode of profit where he's the rich guy <laughs> in, the, in the giant box and in the refrigerator oh box in his mansion. Oh my god! That's if we ever have a Patreon content <laughs> covering Adrian Pazdar in weird roles. Oh yes. my god! Oh my god! He was in this movie <laughs> called Solar Babies. I'll talk about it on another episode. <laughs> oh my god! When we have our next good Talbot episode, it's whenever called, that is, it's we'll have to talk Solar about Solar Babies. It. What? I don't even. No, that's all. I'll give you. That's all. I'll give okay. the show at least. Like, like so they, they can... Uh, oh wait we needed we needed to mention um alan tudyk um, oh yes yes thank you for remembering yeah he was um, just cast uh in a new uh comic book role so he is like gearing up he's competing against uh, uh our our good friend jackie earl, ha- earl haley now and i also wanted to ask did you say that you that uh jackie earl haley was in Alita? Yeah, he was um the big dude, the uh the big dude that had the arms that shot out, oh. fingers that shot out. I forget his name now. So the G was? Man, they, yeah. they changed his face so much. No, the only reason I realized that that was him is because I stayed to watch the credits and I saw that his name popped up in the casting and I was like, "Wait, what?" So I looked it up on IMDb. I was trying to figure out who he was because I remember you saying yeah. like he was a really important bad guy. I was like, "He was." But- so I saw it twice. So I saw it the first time. That's when I noticed that his name was in the credits, and so I went back and watched it with Billy. And you can kind of tell from his dialogue and like his cadence that it's him. Oh no! Like once you know it's no, him, you saying that like now thinking about it, even though he did change his voice quite a bit. Like yeah. it still sounds right to me. Like it still yeah. still does sound right. The uh the the other one that I thought was uh worth mentioning from Alita was um Edward Norton. Is, yes. Is, <laughs> is, is, another spoiler. He's he's the bad guy set up for the sequel that will only happen uh if China likes it uh as much as it, <laughs> as it has so far. If it keeps liking it for like a good month. But like like I was reading an article that was really well written from a like a kind of a gossipy comic site because most of them are just awful now like one of them recently was like marvel's gonna close its doors because dc was misinterpreted as saying they were gonna have massive cuts recently when i guess the cuts have already happened (laughs) they already canceled (laughs) the titles they're gonna cancel but they were like so i bet i bet uh disney's gonna close marvel it's like 
What? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> literally no reason to believe this. But um, uh, <laughs> it was a really well well reasoned article. It's about like how it's not that unrealistic to think there will be an Alita sequel because of how well it's doing overseas. But it's just going to be exactly like the case of um, the Pacific Rim sequel where yeah. it will have nothing to do with U.S. Uh, audiences. <laughs> like, that, we are not the reason <laughs> it's happening. Which, I mean... I don't get why that's why is it a bad thing? <laughs> like, like some people act like that's a bad thing. Like like no, it's who, not. Who cares? Yeah, isn't that kind of why Fast and Furious has like eight movies? Like because it's done so well internationally, especially in the Chinese market. I believe so, and it's <laughs> like <laughs> it's uh, also like like it's, it does huge internationally because I think it, it it and it's and it defies stuff like like I know that like I've read statistics where like you know uh, quote quote unquote black led or like largely black cat uh movies with largely black cast that don't do well in certain countries overseas that those movies do well anyway even though they're largely <laughs> black cast which is just like yeah that's awesome man i don't know how it works the way it does yeah. those movies are, are stupid fun and like have just become superhero movies at this point with the new with the trailer <laughs> for the spinoff like it's like idris elba is a super villain for some reason it's kind of awesome but yeah um tudik was going to be in resident alien which is based on a dark horse comic book. And I think he's going to play the titular alien in it. Uh, so how, that's five for him. Like, oh man. Where's that four? Oh man. If we count animated stuff too. Right. Yeah, if we can't, I, I, we, we can't, we can't count animated. I think for him, cause that's so many uh, like, yeah, but he is at least he's in the tick, which also is Jack here lately, which is uh, <laughs> like, like which I love, but they're both. Uh, he's also in doom patrol and this. So that's, Three and he was he was uh, Bruce Wayne's cousin in Powerless, uh, the NBC sitcom that was uh, DC. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, it was starring Vanessa Hudgens, and uh, he's one of the only characters that is actually based on a real comic character in it. Most of them were not, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any others. He he definitely is in other voices, like a bunch of them. I'm trying to think, yeah. that might be it. Oh no, he was also in Deadpool too. So that's what five there yeah i think that maybe is it <laughs> abraham lincoln vampire hunter i don't think is a that's a novel yeah it's not so is that not a graphic well, i don't know novel. is it a- I, don't, I don't think it's originally a graphic novel okay uh yeah so oh, oh and astro boy which i guess is technically cgi what is it what do you call it feature <laughs> film yeah yeah no so he's he's catching up yeah but man uh no one's no no one's gonna ever beat jackie Haley. he's I, I feel like he's in it to win it well, he, for whatever i feel reason. like he's dedicated most of his life to these these roles too because wasn't he in something when he was like super young too he was but not as, oh yeah you know he was you you were right uh that was the one that i hadn't noticed for a long time he was in the Sh- shazam and the old shazam yeah, tv yeah, show yeah. which is just insane <laughs> like when he was a little <laughs> kid he was in one of these things and that shazam is coming out like right now it's just it's yeah, yeah. weird that like it, when when I happen to look into it, no, he's but he's in like six or seven, like he's in so many yeah. live action superhero <laughs> uh, or comic book related things at the very least. Yeah, but no, thank thank goodness we have rad actors who've been doing it since the seventies <laughs> playing yep. these guys. And I, it's weird, like you know, Batman wasn't like a joke, and neither was Superman. Like those films, like it's weird, like how it, when we were growing up, I feel like you know there wasn't the way it is now, but it's like they became more of a joke you know like they became yeah. associated with the material and still like comics are weirdly dismissed by a, a large percentage of our population and it's it's just really bizarre like like that now everyone can take you know deadpool seriously of all things <laughs> but you know i don't know i remember people just thinking like it was preposterous to be interested in this stuff for such a long time but it's like it's it's just very interesting how it's built up uh, and and evolved over time and we'll have to see yeah. what Ed Norton's next superhero picture will be for the Hulk <laughs> and Alita. Oh man, if Alita does not get a sequel, but he just will he will, he has to give up because he clearly <laughs> does not pick. Like he killed the Hulk franchise. Now Hulk movies have to be Thor movies so, so, that, we, so, like, so that Marvel can own own it completely. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's really funny. It's, I hope there's an Alita sequel. I do too. Like, I really enjoyed it. The world building was so good. To- yeah. Totally agree. Like, and other than the acting of Hugo, like, I think it was all pretty great. <laughs> Where that guy, 
Oh man. The dude who played Lindsay and Angel, he was on the show Leverage. Like he's some like cowboy dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, he the, the kid who played Hugo looks just like him. Uh, like it's upsetting. Like it just looks like a like a cloned version of him, like slightly oh, younger. That's weird. But they're both not very good at acting as well. Like, yeah. I felt like there was like sections of that movie that just felt like a teen rom com. And then No, and, and she did a good job. And I feel like even her character was presented in such a way where i still enjoyed her and enjoyed oh, it yeah but i know what you mean like like i think it, it his acting stuff it did feel like it was like the worst kind of a of a cw show yeah. <laughs> like i was just like come on especially like the scene in the rain and whatnot i'm just like come on dude yeah. I, I kept thinking of him in my head even though i never forgot his name i kept referring to him in my head as haircut like <laughs> because that's just what he seemed like yeah but but other than that oh my God. And, and i mean there were some issues like the fact yeah. that what was there was Lana Condor the only Asian person in the entire movie? <laughs> like, what's up with these like like futuristic like you know cyberpunk type things that have all this Asian and like Middle Eastern influence <laughs> like in their world building? You know, like ninety percent white people. Yeah, I mean, at least there are a lot of like Latino. Yeah, there were, there were there were uh, Latinx people, and you know, and black actors and there were i guess one of the uh motorball racers was asian in retrospect but it's just like there were two yeah and like christoph waltz is named idaho it's like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. listen i'm i i think like that is especially in the case of this story where it doesn't take place in japan it takes place in some weird you know super future with like where like yeah. our first earth was a monoculture that that then our our martian colonies turned against us like yeah I'm all for that. Like, but like, make it that make Ido like cast someone who's biracial. Yeah. You know? Like that's what you do in that case. You don't cast like, someone a white with a, dude. With a yeah. thick European accent <laughs> named Waltz. It's Lord, just, I know. No. And like, I don't know, like you said, like, especially knowing in, re- in retrospect, I didn't know going in that like one of the other sneak cameos. Cause, uh, um, we mentioned, um, Ed Norton, but, uh, Michelle Rodriguez played, her mentor oh, yeah. in yeah. the flashback stuff. So it's like every one of the, of the erm cyborgs of these Martian cyborgs are uh played by uh, Latinas that we've seen, which is like kind of <laughs> cool and weird, but like it's just cool. Like 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 and interesting. And like I like like there's the, it's one of those things where like it's definitely not a perfect film, but like yeah. for every area that's problematic, there's something that's really cool or well thought out or it seems like interesting or well done so like it it balances out to still be like a net enjoyable experience it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't just like oh why did this happen <laughs> like some things <laughs> are but it's still no it was it was uh it was great i really do hope that it is it is exactly like pacific rim and the international market necessitates a sequel and i know that james cameron and robert rodriguez want the same thing <laughs> yeah. they feel the same way we do for sure well, before we just keep going on, yeah, on Alita cast. non-shield yeah. <laughs> related um, movies. Project Alita. <laughs> yeah, Project Alita. Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, I am to be found at Ice Know Nothing. And you can find me at Space Chess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. And you can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes. We got a one-star rating, which cracks me up <laughs> because I know it's a troll rating. But yeah, go do that if you if you listen to the show. Even if you don't leave a review, leave a rating. It, it'll make me feel better. <laughs> yeah, we would gratefully appreciate uh, all the non-one-star ratings that you guys can yeah. give. <laughs> Some jerk, you know. <laughs> you know that it's a troll, a troll rating when it's a one-star. Yep. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.